Greetings to our podcast audience. I, I couldn't figure out when to go. Joel told me when to start this thing, and I and I felt like I was screwing it up. It's so, hard to get in the rhythm of I it a so little bit. I so wish there was a way people could know what happens just I before just before Moments before we start <laughs> to record. before, because people say, why are you always laughing? I find things funny. <laughs> and there are just things before that are we start. happening just before we start. That's I right. like our new microphone setup. Do you like Woo! this? I if, like this. If you're just listening to the podcast, you should uh, tell a marked difference in our audio. I hope or it sounds very muffled like this. Oh, don't do that, Ed. <laughs> it does make me want to um, sound like I'm on NPR. Yes, it feels getting, that way, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. I feel very official with a microphone right in front of my face. Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, we have microphones now that yes. are right in front of us. That's we are. So. Some nice podcast listener told us the audio was too low. Mm-hmm. And so we're we trying. Tried. So yes. for those of you who don't know, we will try to respond. And, yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, we, try, we try to make to things better. So whoever you were, hopefully we sound better today. We sound we better. So. If not, tell us. Yeah, tell us. Tell us, us and we will really try stinks. again to adjust accordingly. There you go. We can't do anything about the way we look, but if you're listening. Yeah. Yes. We I was going to say, please don't give us any suggestions because some of you are going to have some uh, aesthetic yeah, choices for that, us yeah, that, that we can't happen. fix. So. Yeah. But we're always here to please. Yeah. Oh, that's well, that's here. what people have always yeah, said about any week. Martin anywhere. We are here to, to be of uh, help. So. One, one of the three of us has never said anybody, you know, I think you want to please me. <laughs> <laughs> There's just one of the three of us. I've never. I'm, I, OK, I have never had anybody say that True. to me. OK. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's actually talk about something real instead of just talking. Okay, that's true. You know, let's do it. And, and we do want to let people know about our subscribers. Between the fake stuff we were just doing and I will real say stuff. this. This, this, this is on, sort of on topic. I just found out yesterday my mom uh, watches this. Oh, uh, hey, Mary. She, hey, Mary. Yeah, we're so and, glad uh, to see that. But here's her comment to me. She said, you know, sometimes y'all just ramble, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> She's known us all, though, for a while yeah. now. So I'm like, you, you, you know, are so I'm right, say this, Mary, and you know this. Jason doesn't ramble as much as other people on no, this that's podcast. True. That's and true. I would just like to say, my mom does not watch these. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I'd like to say something in Nelson Collins' voice. Yeah, so, oh, so don't make trying. fun of my dad. <laughs> Leave Nelson alone. <laughs> he needs a bigger microphone. He needs a bigger microphone. Turn his game right. up. All right. First thing I want to say is I want to say thanks to whoever did this. But last week, I asked people to subscribe to the YouTube channel to hopefully get us up to 1,000. And as of this taping, we are at 921. Yes. I think last week I promised a special gift to somebody in the 920s, but I don't remember the number. You don't even remember the number. Somebody could go back and look at that. I do know who 921 was, though. Oh. It was my daughter. Oh, we were home go. last night, and I said, "Man, we're at 9:20," and she says, "Oh, I can make it 9:21." There you <laughs> okay. go. She sure enough did. So anyway, get us up there. We're going up to a. We're thousand. getting closer we're getting all the time. Close. Inch in there. I'm going to say the end of April, we're going to be at 9:30. All right. So nine more. <laughs> nine more. <laughs> There's a challenge <laughs> to all of y'all. Okay, but uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit. First, we're going to talk a little bit about Sunday. All right, um, and then uh, I got some stuff. All right, let's do the stuff, Jason. Just stuff that has been bothering me that I want to talk about. and uh, Stuff that grinds Jason's gears. Yes. You know, if it was stuff that bothers Ed, 
just roll that camera. Let's yeah. roll. <laughs> I got stuff that bothers me. I, I don't think I found anything that does it. <laughs> and we got a top five today. We do. We and do I was going to say that. that Nathan has a top five. I got a top prepared. five. I'm here to help. So he he's here to please. I am here to please. Right. And I'd like to also announce that I have a new segment that when it's supposed to be <sighs> no. my top five, I'm going to roll out something new. Oh, boy. No. no. And it's never going to be his top five. I think people are going to enjoy it. And nope. I know a person that's going to enjoy it. <laughs> no. <Nope>. A person. <laughs> nope. I'm guessing it won't be the either one of I'm us. Already, I'm already going to be gone that day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Sunday, we started yeah. a new series called The New Normal. Yeah. And, uh, Ed, I thought you did an outstanding job of uh, kicking that off. If you didn't, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> no, um, you wouldn't. <laughs> but here was, here was my takeaway from it, and I thought it would make for a great discussion. Uh, you talked about... Uh, Every time there is uncertainty, every time we feel an uncertainty in our lives, uh, it is always followed with a fear that we fear. But then behind the fear, there's, there's always a desire. Mm. There's the thing that we really, really want. And uh, that, that was a really insightful mental progression for me. In fact, my family, after we watched the, the service online, sat around in our living room and had that discussion. What is our uncertainty? What are we afraid of right now? But then... What ultimately, what is it we what desire? Do you want behind what that? do you want behind that? So I just thought that would be a great discussion and to have between the three of us is, what is that for you? What is your, what are you feeling these days in this current climate? Your greatest uncertainty, which is your fear, and then ultimately down to the desire thing that we want. Hmm. Um, well, you know, I'll, I'll start not – I don't want to start with me being the one to say what it is for me in okay. this thing, but – that whole thing came to me. Most people know that I dealt, I've dealt with anger a lot, and that whole thing came to me through a lot of counseling of finally understanding that behind most of my anger was fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost all of my anger has been fear-driven in my life, and behind that fear, there was something. It wasn't just fear. There was something I wanted that I wasn't getting. Yeah. And when I could begin to name that, I began to make progress. And then it hit me that all, all fear has is generally uncertain. Un, when there's uncertainty, there's a fear mm-hmm. associated mm-hmm. with it. Yep. And you have some other desire there. And when I present that desire to God, I haven't, at least for me, when I have gotten to the place that I can go through that progression, God definitely handles what I want. Mm-hmm. Because then I have gotten to what I really want. And I think often our prayers are very fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. And circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Our prayers are. And here's what I'll say to you as a former person who didn't believe. Prayer used to really frustrate me because no matter what happened, Christians would claim that it was a work of God. Yep. Right. And often because you're praying circumstantial prayers, some of the circumstances are just going to go a certain way anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when you get to what the desire is, yeah. it's a different thing. For me, it, the, right along with what you said, the desire thing, it helps me. When, how do I say this? When I finally get to that desire thing, it, it usually is something, like you said, that is not the superficial thing that I am just pray that I typically just pray for. I'll give you an example. Um, something that's currently going on with me right now. Um, I'm dealing with some pain in my body. Mm-hmm. Um and it's gotten to the point where it's really bothering me. It's it's getting in the way of some of the daily things that I want to do. And so I'm praying about it. And up to a point, I'm just praying, God, I just want the pain to go away. I just I just want to be healed of that. I want the pain to go away. 
and then after you you led us through that uh, progression and mentally I started saying well what is what is the fear that I'm fearing and down deep what do I really want well the fear I think what it came down to was I don't want to be a person that deals with chronic pain for the rest of his life and I I'm, I'm worried of what that will do to my my abilities my spirit my mm-hmm. my attitude my relationships and all that stuff so when I got down to that that's when I can hear God say, you know, even no matter what happens with that, you and I can handle that. Yes, you're exactly mm-hmm. right. Jeff. You know what I mean? I and and I think completely. that's where Paul finally got to when he prayed for God to take away his thorn in the flesh. And God said, well, my grace is sufficient. You and I can get through whatever this is. Mm-hmm. And that's when the peace came. Right. Yeah. You know? Yes, that's exactly right. Once you get to the place, you realize I have presented to God what I really, really am desiring. There is a sense that God says to you. You so, you feel it. Yeah. I mean, I have. When I get to that place of God going, oh, I got that. Mm-hmm. I got that. You're gonna. Yep. We'll we'll handle that. Yep. Well, and even in in this whole virus conversation that I that I had with my family on Sunday, um, you know, I think it comes down to I don't, I I don't want anything to happen to my family, or I don't want uh, any and 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 that really isn't the end desire for me. I definitely don't want anything to happen to my family or I don't want anything to happen to me. But at the end of it, I want to know that we're all going to be taken care of. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. In the end, we're all going to be taken care of. Now, now you can debate on what do you mean by taken care of, but ultimately being taken care of in the eternal sense, that's a done deal. Yeah, that's right. You know, and mm-hmm. so that's when that's where you find the peace eventually mm-hmm. yeah. that it comes down to, because the ultimate things that I desire are all taken care of. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, and I'm trying to, I'm, I've been sitting here trying to think about it. I don't know if it's fear or or what it is, but I think probably the central desire in my life most of the time, um, and I think for lots of people probably as well, is I want to feel valuable. I want to feel worthwhile. I want to feel like people love me and they care about me. But for me, that has always translated to I need to do something of value and I need to produce something of value or I need to make myself invaluable to people. And so I remember for a long period of my life, and I remember telling my wife this, and I would say it over and over again, one of the greatest fears of my life, and it seems silly to think about it, was that something would happen physically to me that I would be unable to um, like play music because for a long Mm. period of my life I still play music a fair amount but for a long period it was uh, pretty much my entire life was playing music and I had a fear that would happen and then another part of it has just been that I would become um, ill or that honestly like old age has always been terrifying to me that people would have that anyone would ever have to take care of me Mm. has been something that I would have to allow people to help me but I could be of no help to anyone because always in the back of my head, things have been uh, people only really love you and accept you if you can produce something or you do something that's admirable or they can look up to. And so once I began to understand that in my life, every kind of uh, addiction I've ever struggled with, every kind of sin that I've ever struggled with, that's been the root cause behind it is 
uh, I am looking to feel valuable or desirable or something along that based on something I can do or something I can accomplish. And so, you know, this period of time right now uh, has been a struggle for me because I think it, it, it's, it's a lot harder to measure, at least in our world where we're at, uh, the things that we used to do, and I think it's true for everybody, the things you used to do that you could go, oh, man, that really was meaningful and it did something and it mattered, uh, those lines are a little more blurred these days. Mm -hmm. And so, because there's just a lot of uncertainty, as you said. There's yep. just a lot of uncertainty. I think for a lot of people that works, that's that's their their life and work. But, you know, like for us, that we don't have physical meetings where I can be with people and I can know, hey, this thing I've done made an impact in your life or this conversation I'm having is having some kind of impact. It's difficult for me because I just struggle with knowing uh, on one level, am I doing something that's helping people? Because I do want to help people. But if I'm honest, more at the core of what it is is I want to feel valuable. I want yeah, yeah I want useful. to feel. I want to feel like useful, useful. is a good useful way. Useful is a good way to say. I want yeah. to feel useful. And so, to to your point, a lot of my prayers these days, and I, I was looking back at some of my journals, and this has been the case. Most of my prayers have been God, just help me to know that you love me, that you're. That I'm I'm immensely valuable to you, even if I don't produce anything of value. Mm. That I don't have to do anything for you to love me, mm -hmm. or to care about me, and for that to be something that's tangible and real. So you know, I don't know if always it's fear. Sometimes it feels like just sadness or anger, but you know, all that stuff is mixed in with the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. um, right. So, and that fits right in. You've mentioned this right here on this podcast. Is mm -hmm. that fits in? I think with your personality type. You've talked about yeah. your Enneagram number yes. and what your motivation is. and Yeah, I think once I think that's part of the reason uh, I'm as obsessed with the Enneagram stuff as, as I am. I mean, all of us on staff have taken it. We've talked about it a lot, but even, like, within the staff, like, I, I have, like— I'm You're a little, little geeky about it. I'm a little geeky. A little I, re <laughs> I read a lot of books, and I listen to lots of podcasts, try to figure it out. And I think part of that is I'm an Enneagram type 3, which is the achiever. And, you know, part of it—and everyone's got this— Really, at the core of what the Enneagram is, is that um, at some point in your life, you began to believe some lie. Mm -hmm. And the lie might be, for me, it was what I just said, that people will love me, I will be accepted, or I will be valuable if, and then mine was, if I produce things of value. Or I know you're a, you're a one, yeah. which is the perfectionist, so yep. usually that lie that believes is, as long as I do things the right way, or I mm -hmm. know the right way, or the, the right mm -hmm. thing, and then uh, you, you are an eight, and, you know, same kind of thing. There's, there's some kind of lie that comes around with, with people that you begin to believe, and that ultimately what you're trying to do in this process is not just to say, well, I'm a three, and that's where I'm at, but to get to a place where you say, where can God meet me and, mm -hmm. and, and change yeah. the lie I'm believing so I accept his love fully and not this false self yeah, so, you know, the benefit of that study when we did it on staff, and I still think about it for me, and I'm not, everybody gets different things out of it, and I still think about it, is that's what I've used to cope with things in my life is right. I'm, you know, an in-charge person. And, but that probably my ideal self is helper, and I can see that. At my core, and you guys have worked me along, if there's a problem to be solved, and I know I can help with it, I pretty much will drop what I'm doing yeah. to go grab yeah. a cable yep. or to try to supply. So ultimately, I don't even have to be in charge. I just really want to help. Yes. But I got, I've handled the other thing. So I keep trying to figure out 
how do I become that person in the right shape that God put me in the world to help? That's what he put me in the world to do. Mm-hmm. But this false self, so like even you weren't, I can't remember what you're supposed to be moving toward. But I'm supposed to move towards a six, which is a very loyal person, a person who's very right. loyal to people. So anyway, anyway, that, that all of those things are true. So it does fit in with all of those things that are going on mm-hmm. as well. I think when you asked the original question, Jason, I'll try to keep this short on it. <laughs> I mentioned my original one back when this whole thing with COVID-19, the whole fear that originally, and it was the weekend, you know, I was on vacation, spring yep. training, y'all were up here. And I felt, um, again, which plays into my type of, I felt very unleaderish in that I was asking people to do things I wasn't going to do, uh, that I wasn't in the middle of doing. Yeah, you weren't doing And so as a leader, the fear that I wind up dealing with is that I'm going to ask people to do something that's the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to, I, I struggle with fear of making decisions that are the wrong decisions. Not that people will like my decisions because I'm way down the road on having made enough decisions to know that <laughs> there are no decisions that people who aren't making them are going to agree with 100%. Everybody likes every decision they make, even if they're stupid, Yep. Mm-hmm. and hates decisions that most other people make. Yes. So, but I really fear that people will follow me because I know there are people that follow what I would say to do, and I fear making that. But the desire behind that, the desire behind that ultimately is that I know that I have I have been a, for me, it's that I have done for God what he asked me to do. And what often happens for me, I just keep having to say to God, God, have I done what you wanted? Have I done what you wanted? And, and I don't really care about what anybody else says or that I got to make the decision or that I made a wrong decision. Uh, I'm now at a place of that I can say to God and he goes, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. We're okay. Mm-hmm. If all you care about is what I, I care about and whether, because I know I have made lots of wrong decisions that people on staff and people in our church have followed through on well, and God has made all of that be okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, he's at work even in my bad decisions, but I fear the bad decision is if I'm going to have final kind of thing, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. going to become, and God's like, well, honestly, if all you want to know is that everything is going to be okay, it really ain't your job anyway. Yeah, right. That, 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 that if yeah. all you really care, I mean, if that's honestly all you care about, yeah, I got that. Yeah. But if you care about your reputation, I don't really care that much about your reputation. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't really care about what people think about you. Yeah. I don't really care. That, it stinks not, that God thinks that, but you know. I mean, he hasn't said that to me, but, but it know. feels that way to me. He isn't working that hard to protect <laughs> my reputation. Because my reputation with him is fine. And, and in the end, the only reputation that matters is his. That's right. right. He, that's exactly right. I am here <laughs> for his glory. Yes. I am here for his glory. Well, yes. and I think the thing that you talked about, it's interesting. I didn't initially think about it, but when Jason brought up the Enneagram stuff, that really is core to the thing that you're talking about of get down to the real desire. Because when you said the thing about coping, um, you know, a lot of writers refer to these things that we do within our Enneagrams and our, our, our personalities and that kind of stuff as defense mechanisms, that right. there are things that we create to acquire and accomplish the things that we want to gain love, respect, honor. And so when you talked about the thing of, you know, for people who are on the, on the eight side of things, often the wound is they begin to feel 
at an early age that they can't trust people who are in authority to make the right decisions and to protect people uh, or to protect themselves that they felt like an authority figure didn't do enough to protect them. And so at some point they begin this need to, I'm going to push against the authority, which I know you've talked about on this podcast was most of your early life and maybe even now. (laughs) There are still authorities, as you guys well know. I struggle with all authority. Right. And part of that is this feeling of I can't. And it ain't right. I don't mean that. But I struggle with it. Well, and that's the part of this thing that I think if you can figure out what these things are, and that really is the structure of the Enneagram is, as one writer puts it, is we often in our culture focus too much on personality and not enough on character. That everyone wants to find their unique personality test, and we use that as a defense. You know, so if you become an Enneagram person, you go, well, I'm just an eight. I'm just a three, and that's how I act. Really, the purpose of this is to get to those defense mechanisms and say, where is it that I'm not allowing God to meet me? That's right. And that when you eventually find out in this that, oh, I'm hiding behind this defense mechanism of whatever it is, and God's really trying to meet me and tell me, you can trust me. Mm-hmm. That you can trust me, and that even though you may be afraid that people won't trust you as much or your reputation or any of those kind of things, you can trust me. And then obviously for mine, the, the place I'm at right now is trying to understand. I'm very fearful or sad or angry because I feel like I can't be very effective. Well, when I eventually allow God to meet me at that desire, as you said on Sunday, that is something God can handle. Oh, yeah, he's willing once you, And wants to handle it. Yeah. I think God is at work handling that stuff for me all the time, and it, I don't know how all this works in God's way of dealing things because I am not him. Uh, but there is a big part of getting me to where he is in almost every area of life. Yes. Once mm-hmm. he can get my mind, soul, heart, to where he already knew was true, nothing changes for him. It no. changes for yes. me. Yes, that's right. And when I finally get to the place of, oh, this is what I really want, the peace that he would have given me, it was always there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't access it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was withholding peace from me. Yeah, correct. It was always there. The moment he got me to the place that I could admit to myself, here's what I really want, I do sense, oh, mm-hmm. That's already taken care of. Well, yeah. and it is. And honestly, like you said about, I want to know my family's okay. Well, mm-hmm. all my family followed Jesus, and even if we all pass away, I said this to somebody about their kid the other day, and they're worried, you know, and I get it. I, I've been right there. If for a period of time you and your kid are estranged, like me and my dad were for a while, when we both get to heaven and we're there for the first thousand years, <laughs> and we look back and go, you know, there were 12 years where we didn't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, isn't that true? I'll go, yeah. And I go, but yeah, there was also a period where I broke my arm in the third grade and I mm-hmm. had it in the cast for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Yeah. You know right. why? Because it don't matter to me. Yeah. And the fact that this period of time didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, it feels like a big deal to me. But in yeah. the overall scope, it well, just doesn't matter. Well, my daughter and I were talking after the service on Sunday, and she's a junior in high school. And, uh, you know, prom's supposed to be this Saturday. She lost that. Mm. Um, and and, And she's lost a lot of, you know, stuff at school and things that she was looking forward to. And so we got to talking about all of those things. And I said, I said, I bet your uncertainty is somewhere in that realm right there. And I said, what are you fearing about? And, you know, her fears go to well, I'm I was supposed to go on a college visit recently and I'm supposed to start my senior year and do all the stuff seniors do and then head off to college. And she said, I'm just, I don't know if that 
I don't know how that's going to look now. I don't know if that's going to get changed in some way and all of that. And so we we dealt with that for a little bit. And then it got down to, and I said, well, in the end, I said, you know, you're going to look back on this when you're my age, and you're going to talk to your kids about this little period of your life. And I said, and you know what? So you missed a prom, and, you know, so you might miss some, some of these milestones that you were looking for i said you're just going to tell this as a story one yeah mm-hmm. you're going to tell them this story and i said and I, I know it feels huge to you and i said and, and we're going we're going to walk through that together and mourn that together because i know this is I, i'm not making light of this mm-hmm. right i said but in the end i want you to walk through it with this attitude and with this knowledge of even if it never comes back all these things that i hope i'm going to experience i said i'm going to be all right true you know my my relationship with my family is good my relationship with god is is secure and in the end i'll i'll look back on this and like you said it'll play like a little broken arm story yeah and i'll tell it and and it was not what i'd wanted but it made me who i am and here i am i'm okay yeah that's right you know so all right <clears throat> any other thoughts on that I got nothing else. I, I got no more we, questions. I think we talked that one. That was good. I got good. no more questions. I, I had a different thing happen for me on Sunday, but I don't know that we want to get in. I thought about it when you were talking. Somebody, one of you two were talking about humility, and I had a, you know, I'm, uh, anyway, I had a moment of, of a little conversation with God and me about humility on Sunday. Uh, that was, For me, it was a good thing. You know, it's it somehow in the middle, and I can't even remember where it all is. I was coming around, getting ready to do the stream, doing some things. And uh, Sundays are a good deal of mourning for me these days mm-hmm. yeah. because a lot of stuff that I've done for a long part of my life is gone. Yeah. And uh, this thing of humility again, because, you know, we talked on Monday at our staff meeting about mm-hmm. humble, hungry, smart, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about those three. And uh, it hit me, you know, everybody, if humble is I'm willing to admit I have need, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody comes into the planet one big ball of willingness to admit they have need. Mm -hmm. Yes, you just as soon as you have a need, you let everybody Mm -hmm. that can hear you know Mm -hmm. you have a need. And for most of us, we're going to go out of this planet at a place where when we have a need, we will have to say to other people, Mm -hmm. I have this need. Can you please help me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Unless we go out really early or in our sleep, which everybody dreams of. And it hit me. That's what we dream of. I dream of never having to get again to a yes. place where so I have to need. say to somebody, I need you. Yeah. Yes. I, I came in. God made me humble. I'm going to return to him pretty humble for most of us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in between, we do everything we can to not ever have to say to anybody, I need you. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I said to God is, I guess the sooner I could get there, I might enjoy my life a little more if you started me there and then mm-hmm. I screwed it up by getting really confident. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Well, and I think, but, you know, so you, I have that only as a sideline. Did that hit my mind? Uh, God brought that back where you were saying hungry. He, he said, I remember when you were in this room on Sunday and we had that little talk and I go, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you think <laughs> Don't <forget> that, that. <laughs> the central, you know, kind of sin that every person deals with, the central thing that leads us away from God is pride which is ultimately I'm making everything about me. I'm making everything about me and my either my security to know I never need to need you. That's something that develops as you get older and you see it in children because 
um, my wife and I, because we're foster parents, we end up reading a lot about uh, developmental, you know, milestones and that kind of stuff. And they talk about in children, like you said, when you begin, it's not even that children have this inherent trust. And that's the way we talk about them. It is this, they have an understanding they can't do anything for themselves and they just need you to do it for them. But there comes something around two, three, where they start to understand I can exert control over some things. And the temper tantrums are actually a response. They're a frustration to understanding I could control things. You control some things. There's no way I can. And it's actually this frustration. And so what it talks about is instead of just coming in, and this is the parenting side, instead of just coming in and imposing, nope, can't have, nope, if you can help them walk through, hey, you can't have that. And I know you really want it. But this will never get you what you want. Throwing your body and, and lashing out in anger, it's never going to get you what you want. And I thought about, God, even as adults, that's most of my life is there are things that are out of my control. And there are things, and I, and I know they are. And there's, I know I am frustrated or I'm scared or I'm mad. And I use all these different words. But I am feeling something because I'm not in control. Yeah. And I'm mad about the fact. I wish I could control it. And if I could order my life, where I could always be in control, that's what I want. But what God is trying to break us back into is, hey, there is this area you can control, right? These are your toys. (laughs) This is your room, and you can play with these things, and I expect you to take responsibility. You need to clean up those toys. You need to clean up those things. But there's a way more of your life than you want to admit is out of your control. And that's what Jesus is trying to get us to when he talks about the kingdom Mm -hmm. is, it's not just trust. It is this humility. And when I can surrender to that. I, I remember mm-hmm. now how that whole started on Sunday now because I was thinking about, oh, I'm talking about prayer. And if I'm completely honest, I have always been bad. And what I mean by bad is I only really intensely pray when there's something that's really out of my control. Oh, yeah. I do pray. I pray regularly. Well, we even talk about it like that. We'll say, well, what have you done about it? Well, have you tried praying? Yeah, yes. <laughs> like it's 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 one of many things that That's you one throw, right? or, things. or the last thing. Usually. And so when I get to the place and I go, the times that I have felt really effective that my prayers have had an impact on me are moments of desperation when sure. I am totally humble. And that's why I was thinking about it. I'm going to teach about this today. I'm not very good about it. I'm better about it now. And it came to, it, in that little conversation God and I were having alone in this building it came to me, you know, the problem is you were really good at praying when you were a little bitty. I mean, you, you probably don't even remember it, mm-hmm. but you were so humble. You talked to God like he was a real person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one day when you're laying in a bed and you got nothing else, you're probably going to talk to me because you mm-hmm. know you have to be humble at that point. Yep. Why can't you just be dependent on me mm-hmm. all the time? Yep. Sure. Because when you finally get there and you get to... I pray so many circumstantial prayers. Oh, God, help this meeting go well. Oh, God, do this well. Oh, God, do this well. I don't ever get to. The reason I want the meeting go well is because I have a desire for this to happen. And God will go, oh, I could handle that desire. But why don't we talk about that instead of the circumstances of what yeah. you want to see happen? Because uh-huh. you're not going to get it through whatever else it is you're No, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly right. That, so anyway. That goes right into what I'm going to talk about uh, on Sunday. We're going to talk about the myth of being in control. Because they go hand in hand. Yeah. 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 Which, which by the way, newsflash, it is a myth. Yeah. (laughs) That that we are in control of anything when it comes down to it. And and as I'm going to say on Sunday, I think that's pretty apparent now. You know, if we had this illusion. It should be. And it should be 
gradually more as we move through this life. But I think in one fell swoop, a lot of us saw it in the way that things are going down. So um, we're going to talk about how you, what do you do when that mo moment comes and you realize I stuff ain't, ha I'm not making stuff happen. Stuff is happening to me. Yeah. And I read it. It's good. So you're going to want to be here. You're going you're wanna, to you're wanna see it. Thanks, Tune in. Nathan. Tune in. Tune in Sunday morning. It's going to be good. To the All Community right. Christian TV because that's what we are now. We're TV. Oh, we got man. the TV. Don't start. Do it. Do it. All right. Okay. Speaking of, um, by the way, we did not get any direct listener questions this week. So y'all got to step yeah, up your game. Yeah, we want to get some questions. Um, so well, we had some stuff we wanted to talk about anyway. <laughs> oh, did we? I, I have written down some things that I'll tell you how it came about. Um I think it was just Ed and I having a discussion the other day in the office, and I just I just got on this stuff and I'm, all this stuff that I hear Christians saying that are drive, that's driving me crazy in this quarantine, and I and I said, man, that sounds like a podcast topic. So I jotted down some statements, and uh, we weeded out some of them because they just weren't good. <laughs> With some stuff. Or honestly, let's be honest. We didn't want to have to weed into all the territory yes. of it. I mean, come we on. Because we had it. opinions on it, but oh, we, yeah. Just, yeah. we just thought, you know what? Yeah. We but, didn't want to be in the weeds. Yeah. It. So I, I whittled it down. I've got two. We might only get to one. Um, all right. <laughs> the, uh, the, the title of this segment, I just jotted down the title. Stuff I hear Christians say during quarantine that I can't ignore anymore. I'd just like to say. I like that. Let's get a graphic. <laughs> Boom. Yes. Mary Collins, this may begin the ramble. Oh, yeah. If, no, we've already, well, ra we've we've already rambled about. a while. We, <laughs> beginning it. we went into a whole Enneagram discussion. Know, in the morning, and none funny. of them care about the Enneagram. <laughs> and my personal prayer life, yes. which everybody was super interested yes. in. Always. So here's the first thing that I hear stuff. This, this is the first thing that I hear Christians say that I just I don't agree with, and I wish they wouldn't say it, and it bothers me, and I, and I just want to give us some better thoughts on it. Um, so here we are. We're in this quarantine time, and the church can't meet. And, and, and I'm sure it's because people want to make us feel better about the fact that we're not meeting. And so they'll say something like, well, it's all right. We don't have to meet because the church is people, mm -hmm. and it's not about a building. And I want to scream. Yeah. And, and not to say that, yes, church is a building, but that statement is not fully correct. Or no, the, yeah. <laughs> the intent of what the, the way intent. it's mostly often yes. said. And is if not you've correct. said that, I'm not disparaging you. I, I think people don't understand what they're saying when they say that or the implications of what they're the saying. Because the one that I've seen that I think has been the, the most, I will say, most incorrect has been when people post one where, and it's like a little cartoon graphic where someone says, um, you know, Satan's going to shut down uh, all the churches, churches, and God says, I'm going to open one in every home. Yeah. I think that's the one that's a little I, more incorrect, because at the at the heart of it, like, like you're saying, there is a truth to church is the people, and it's not the building. Yes. But the, right. the idea that you and your family in your home, just you together— are the church that is not the correct no. idea that we have to fully get unless and, unless that's what we got to get so to we could if you want to have church in your home and there are places all over the world where there are churches in their home yes you should begin actively praying that god would bring other believers together with you so sure. you can form a fellowship uh -huh. for the purpose of you two couples or christians now reaching other people who could join your fellowship yes. so you could baptize them into your church mm -hmm. and you could take communion in that place yes. and you all could begin to do works of service to your community in the name of Jesus 
Now we get into church. Now we got us a church. But me just personally living out the call of Jesus on right. my life, yes. right. I am a part of the church. church. So I'm a I am a body am, part. And my family, even though now there are four, how many there are? Sixteen. Sixteen of us. He's cutting two out. Yeah, I don't want to cut anybody out. I like them all. Oh, you mean your nuclear my per, family. My okay. personal big family. Got it. All of us together. We're bigger than some churches I preached at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I preached at churches that were under 20 easily and we aren't a church no right we're just a family because mm-hmm. we aren't actively inviting more people to come in the name of jesus to be a part of but you're going to join the martin church well and that and isn't ooh, what we do no thank you nobody wants to join that <laughs> a lot church. of arguing and opinions yes being yeah. okay well and ultimately the 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 call that's been put on the church because it's the call that was put on to disciples of jesus was go and make disciples yes go and make disciples and by the nature of me gathering just with my family in my in my home, there's not a lot of going happening. There might be a little bit of making, but not in combination with the going and the making. The mm-hmm. making was not separate from the going. The idea was that I would go into the world, like you said, that I would be trying to reach people and trying to make disciples of them. And that together, mm. that there's this nature of we're teaching one another mm-hmm. and that we're, there's a growing. And, you know, this is one thing I have always loved about community Christian is that not all of us are lovable. And there's, there's a nature to the church, which is, and this is true, whenever yeah. you read the New Testament letters, most of the stuff that he's talking about is you now got all these unlovable people mm-hmm. together as brothers and sisters and those commands to forgive one another mm. and bear with one another. Yes, they are applicable to every person. You know, we say love everyone always. But initially, when he's writing a command to forgive one another, he's talking about you two in the church that are fighting. Y'all got to forgive one another. And that's how we grow as followers of Jesus to then go and do that for other people. The thing you're talking about being in church is a good place. You know, we should be diverse. And there are people that I wouldn't naturally be with. It's one of my favorite old Dallas. We quote Dallas. Here's my Dallas quote for today. Dallas would often be asked because, you know, Dallas was spiritually mature and teaching everybody else and he was very committed to the local church he was a local church guy and people would say dallas why do you go to church and he said well if for no other reason Jesus said, love your enemies, and that's a good place to find something. Yeah, boy. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you don't read Dallas. That is such a Dallas quote. And he so. would say it with that deadpan thing, yeah. not not mm-hmm. with any humor. He would say, you know, it's a really good place for you to find an enemy or two is at church. Yes. And that's what I mean is obviously in our families there are people uh, that are un- unlovable and, un- and, 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 and hard to love. Uh, but by the but by the nature of just even biologically in something within us, we're we're a little easier to try and work those things out, and that's really what God is trying to do through the church is create this new family of, yeah. You wouldn't be my brother and you wouldn't be my sister, but we got to work this thing out, not only because Jesus told us to, but we got a mission to do, yes. and we got to do this together, and that that's what bonds us together, and so. Mm-hmm. Yes, the church is a people. That is true. Mm-hmm. But it is this gathering. And I, I know lots of churches that refer to it as there's a Sunday morning gathering so that we can scatter. There's a gathering and a, you know, there's the mm-hmm. gathered church and the scattered church mm-hmm. that there is a scattering where we go out into our personal worlds and we're, we are representatives of Jesus church and we are representatives of Jesus. Oops. 
uh, but it is for the purposes yeah. that you have talked about of I'm serving for the sake of advancing this gospel or this good news of the kingdom that, that God is, is at work in the world. That reminds me of uh, some churches that I was a part of when I was a kid, and um, they, would, they would have written above the door as you, mm. as you exited the building, um, you know, you are now entering the mission field. Right, mm. that's right. That's or, great. or something along yeah, those lines. Sure. I went to a church that had that too. Yeah, and you saw that every Sunday as you walked out the door, and it was to give us this sense of, yeah, we came together and we gathered together, and that was good. But now this is when the this is when the real ball game starts. You know, we're 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 going about in the world doing the work of the church right. that was that was given to us by our leader Jesus, and so we go out and function, and and we'll be back. We'll yeah. be back together soon. But we're out there doing what he, what he gave us to do as our mission. Yeah, I think the hardest part for me, these statements, and it really is, it's currently in the time. I'm having a very difficult time these days with things that Christians, and I'm going to assume everybody's meaning well with it, mm-hmm. but because of what we're being asked to, to do, they then want to give a reason of how mm-hmm. it fits in theologically yeah. or what, with God, what God ultimately wanted. And I would say we all are having to do this, but let's don't put God's name to it. Yeah. I mean, or to say this theologically now fits better because I, I think I told you all, I was on something with a guy and he said what I hear all, lots of churches now saying we're reaching more people than we ever did because we have all these viewers, <laughs> you know, that are watching. And I said to him, I guess that means when this is all over, you're going to sell your building and just keep doing this. Mm. Because theologically, if you believe you're reaching more people, why would you stop doing it? That's right. Right. And he said, well, we're not going to do that. And I thought, I wanted to say, so you don't really believe what Mm. you just said. Yeah. And I think... It's something you say to convince yourself what we're doing is is what has to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think to get us, you know, back to like a thought that you can kind of take out of this is, is if you're starting to think, well, then well, am I even a part of the church now based on what you guys are saying? Absolutely you are in the sense that it's just not you and your family are not the church. You're still a part of Community Christian, and you join in with us, hopefully, on Sunday mornings, and you're doing a part of this. And we hope that you're a part in other people's lives mm-hmm. by being connected in a small group. And we talk about this all the time. We, if you're not, please, there's a card it's called Connect. Yep. On our website, do we do it. that. We hope you guys will, this is our discipleship group mentioned, that you'd be involved in a discipleship group where you'd be growing in that. And then obviously, when you're talking to people, that you would be personally uh, sharing God's love with people and also hopefully inviting them either to join in on that service or invite them to join in with your small group mm-hmm. or invite them just into a conversation where you can talk about Jesus in those ways you are doing the work of the church, and you are involved with us. But I think at our heart, what we really want to make clear for, for all of us is that we get clear of what it means to be the church because it is such a it, – it is, it is the joy of my life here that we get to join together yeah. and that we get to be brothers and sisters because it really is what Jesus modeled. I mean, Jesus could have come to earth, not gotten any disciples, walked around, done everything he needed to do by himself that he was modeling for us. He brings all these disciples who none of them would have ever been mm-hmm. friends with one another, ever done this. He sends them out to go and get other people and sends them out on these missions to, to, to spread the gospel. And he, then he sends them off to go and do what he modeled for them. And it's a blessing that we get to be a part of. Well, and I've, I've said this to some people too. And um, 
basically what we're forced into in this season is it and it feels this way that we're just being content providers sure. um we're just putting out a, a product to watch on a on an internet stream and if that's all i don't my thing is i i don't believe that's what jesus was talking about when he said go and make disciples right. baptize them and right. teach them to follow me so for us to say oh it's all good we're just we're right here in our home and we're the church and we're watching and we're doing that yes that's fine for now but let's be honest that is not the mission that we were given to yep. by Correct. jesus so, you know he did not come he said i'm gonna i'm gonna build my content creation system <laughs> that will broadcast out a, 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 a few sermons every week you know that that just that's not the church well and i also i think right now people i've had to defend some people who are really missing church they're mm -hmm. missing the, they're missing the fellowship and somebody in their world will say to them you're just in it's not the building why are you so in love with the building it, it's it's i wasn't talking about the building no. that's why i wound right. up saying to somebody just say to them you're right it's not the building i wasn't talking about the building mm -hmm. but the church is a people and i miss the people, people. yes mm -hmm. the people we are a part of each other i mean i think of it about i have a friend that goes to community christian just recently had to have his leg amputated and uh he already talks about phantom missing mm. his limb yeah. and it still feels like it's there but he knows it's not there yeah that's the way i feel on sunday now when we're there and that's i'm great. sitting yeah. in the digital foyer and i'm talk i'm saying names <laughs> and i can visualize the name but we're not together no not in the same way and not i miss it mm -hmm. i i miss i miss the people i just miss the people yeah. Well, and, and, and some of them that I'm not even exceptionally close to, but I miss us. Yeah. I miss what we are together. Well, and the thing that everyone I think can understand, because I certainly feel this, of um, like with distant relatives, and when I say distant, I mean people that you have to be socially distanced from at this point, grandparents or anything that you're calling on the phone and you're being with. Everyone understands, hey, it is a blessing that we have Skype or we have FaceTime. That is a blessing that now we have this other way of contact. But I don't believe anybody would say, and when this is over, I'm never going to be physical, physically with my, my yeah. grandma mm -hmm. again because we understand it's, it's better than it could be, but it's still lesser than it, than it should be. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's lesser mm -hmm. than, than us being physically together. And I think that's the nature of what the, tr what the church really is. And so, anyway, I love the, the, the phantom limb analogy is great because I never yeah. thought of it that way, but that is, it feels like, Oh yeah, this is, this is similar, but it's not. It's not. I'm glad. I, I, I mean, and for that guy, he had to have it removed. He sure, understands absolutely. why it happened. I understand why we're in the situation. I do too. I'm not saying it shouldn't be this. That's way. right. That's right. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just expressing to you, is is this isn't the way it was meant to be? And nobody would look at that guy and say, you know, you're better off with just one leg. <laughs> right. That's the way it was meant to be. No, mm. that's not true. No. That's right. Did it have to happen? Yeah, it had yeah. to happen, but mm -hmm. it's not better. No. Yep. All right. I think we've done enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it there. All we've right. been going. Got, a, okay. We've been going, we've been going a long time. Jason is the host. I am, and we'll we'll get to that other statement maybe later. Yeah, because it could go a long we got, time. We got yeah, time. The, the, I know which one you're. You know which off. one I'm talking it about. It could go a long time. So now I'm gonna leave them in suspense. <laughs> so maybe we'll talk about Come that later. So uh, now Nathan, you're gonna bring us. You have a top five. 
have a notebook Here it is. Too. Yeah, yeah so. it's written down. <laughs> Nathan has a notebook. So entertain us, Nathan. And with I have, your I have, I, I have a little some scratch paper that I was working this thing wow. out. So, uh, I've been think I was trying to think of something to try and fit in with where everybody's at, and I know a lot of us are, you know, a lot of us are uh, doing takeout still or, or doing to go orders and go. that kind of stuff. I don't but know where you're going still, but I it's do. It's food, and I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, you know, and. <laughs> There are certain, I don't know if you know, some, some of my favorite restaurants are closed down. Yeah. Like, they, they're not even doing takeout. And so there are certain places where I go, oh, I'm just missing that, and there are places I want to mm -hmm. go back. And so I kind of started thinking about, you know, one thing that I am doing right now still is I'm, I'm still eating some ice cream. And uh, I was just, you know, I don't know why I was going to ask you, is Brewster's open? Well, so I, I, I don't know. It says online that they're open. I visited Brewster's a couple weeks back in the midst of, Yes. I, should I say that? I think yeah. it's okay. No, if they're yeah. open, it's, they're right? open I, it's food, right? So I it is essential. I think ice cream's essential. I think it was too, ice cream is essential. It was. We were in the we were in the thick of shelter in place, and I do remember going and getting some ice cream. Okay, so I think they're still Good open. But uh, I we we haven't been um, um, normally on Sundays. I take one of one of my four daughters this out. This podcast on like, sponsored by Brewsters. We yeah. would love that. <laughs> to uh, to. <laughs> Daddy-daughter dates, and normally we go get ice cream. So Brewster's was something, but, cool. uh, you know, for me, the whole Brewster's experience is also sitting outside and eating and all that kind of stuff. And for people who don't know, I worked at Brewster's for five years, assistant managed it for, for four of those years where uh, I was really responsible for ice cream making. Kelly Davenport's on staff uh, here. Also, also you, managed he uh, that same Brewster's, the one here in Noonan, for uh, I think a little longer than that, uh, or maybe right around that amount of time. But... I'm very well-versed in the Brewster's ice cream. You're an ice cream person. Mm. I'm an ice cream person. I think your bona fides have been established. You're an expert That's witness. Okay, right. I just want to say that. We I, defer I, to I know you. What so we confirm you as an expert witness. So originally I wrote down my favorite five ice cream flavors from Brewster's. So top okay. five ice cream flavors. Uh, stuff like caramel apple crunch and sea salt sounds caramel delicious. with toffee. Both good. I like both All of those. good stuff. There's a s'mores one that's great. Never had, had it, but it sounds right. Caramel explosion with Twix. Lots of caramel. There's mm. a winter wonder, which is great, which is white chocolate ice cream with the peppermint in there. Oh, I love it's peppermint. Like white mm -hmm. chocolate bark. But then I realized, you know, I've been out of the ice cream game for about 10 years. I'm, I've been living in that world. The so, ice cream game. The ice cream game. Brewster's. It's like a gang he was in. It I'm is. just saying, man. I've been out. Brewster's. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> and saying. And Dairy Queen. Yeah. So what? <laughs> What did you come up with? So what I came up with is they got have a lot of flavors that I ain't ever tried before. Ah. So I've come up with the top five Brewster's flavors that I will be trying as soon as uh, I can. So this could be, be a ice cream bucket list, and we uh, want a bucket of it. Yeah, give nice. me a full-on five-gallon bucket. Bring us a Put bucket. Put it in the bucket. Go ahead and get that. So here's the top five ice cream flavors that sounded in intriguing enough to me. Okay. We'll go through it. So here we go. Number five. They've got a Boston cream pie ice cream mm. flavor. That sounds darn good to me. It's vanilla eclair ice cream, hmm. and it's got fudge swirls and pie pieces. I'd eat it. As you're crunchy. I'll eat it. Because I don't know about you guys. Oh, let me ask you this. You guys have both been to Brewster's. What, what's your favorite Brewster's flavor? I'm all about the caramel stuff. Any of those so caramel like turtle, things. Mm -hmm. chocolate, the chocolate turtle, the white turtle. Mm -hmm. My family and I always defer go back to the chocolate raspberry truffle. It's a big one right there. I'm going to tell you that. Awesome. We, we, love that. The turtle, the chocolate raspberry really, truffle, really good. We, we ran through that a fair amount. They always frustrate when people would be looking at the sign. It's chocolate raspberry truffle. And they go, I want some of that raspberry chocolate truffle or something. And they're reading they it. it I order. want some of that truffle. No, it is chocolate, chocolate raspberry. raspberry truffle. Anyway. And it is the bomb. And you know, what's what I like about both of those flavors? I'm big into some kind of ribbon. 
you know, like a mm. caramel ribbon or okay. a raspberry ribbon with some kind of crunchy. I like a crunch to my ice cream. There's so that, that one, one fits that. Mm-hmm. This next one sounds like it fit it too. Pumpkin patch ice cream. I like pumpkin ice cream. Isn't I'll it? just say that. I've had it, and it's mm-hmm. delicious. It's mm-hmm. pumpkin ice cream with one of those graham ribbon yeah. variegates in the middle of it with pie pieces in on that, mm. so you get a little bit of crunch. I would eat that. Yes. I'm, I'm curious because we didn't have the pie pieces. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's like graham crust. or I don't know what that is, but I'm hmm. very interested in that idea. Okay. Next up is butter brickle. This sounds interesting to me. It's salted caramel ice cream. Already starting I'm very already good right there. there. Yep. I'm already there. Like chocolate-covered toffee bits. Uh, yeah. I like toffee bits. I like yeah. some toffee. I like chocolate. A little crunchy. There you go. A little sweet. All right, next up, I just love this name, chocolate mudslide. That oh. sounds good right there. He, he was a wrestler in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This is dark chocolate ice cream. <laughs> With marshmallow swirls, mm. Oreos, and brownie bits. See, I'm a sucker for Oreos. I love anything with Oreos in it. Because it depends on too. what you get. Sometimes they're crunchy, and sometimes they're real kind of soft. It doesn't matter. They're always it don't good. matter. They're always, always good. good. That sounds like an old flavor we used to have called Death by Chocolate, which I was one of one. my favorite ones. I, I had everything one. from, like, uh, what was it? Chocolate chunks and uh, chocolate crispies, brownie bits. We had chocolate-covered peanuts in it. Everything chocolate we had. Mm. You just threw it in there. So here's the number one that I'm most interested in. I think okay. you should get Lynn Upchurch to make the chocolate-covered peanuts. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. she's Lynn on Upchurch, our staff. In my opinion, the she best chocolate-covered peanuts of all time. They are. Very, very I wish it was good. Christmas I do all too. the time. And that she, she makes wasn't it in Nashville because she might make me some now. I know. That's true. <laughs> That's true. She probably got a lot of time on her hands. That's right. What else? Not, that, get on not it. that Lynn is listening to this podcast because no. I know that's not happening. No. So here's the number one. Oh, number, this is number one. one. Okay. Top uh, ice cream I want to try. It's Graham Canyon, which is a great name. Oh, that's Gra- a cool name. Graham yeah. Canyon. It's Graham ice cream with caramel swirls and the toffee bits thrown in. That sounds like darn good. So it's what like kind of ice cream is it? Graham. If you've never had the Graham Central Station oh, I have. at Brewster's, it's a, it tastes like graham crackers. Ooh. It's got the graham ribbon okay. in it. It's got chocolate uh, like hmm. chips like you'd get in mint chocolate chip. It's really good. So mm-hmm. when you put a ribbon in a can in mm-hmm. a ice cream, do you literally, when you're freezing it, squirt something in there to make the so ribbon? So supposedly, so the I cl- mean, you're the ice cream expert. Uh, well, yeah. Let me say this is the Brewster. <laughs> you are. This is the Brewster's way. I don't know. I did sign an NDA on being able to <laughs> okay. talk about these, but you know, let's talk hype. How do you Hypothetically, think if, yeah. stole, if Stone Cold... It wasn't cold, an idiot. It was a non-competition. If one of those Stone Creamery things did anything other than mash crap into ice cream. <laughs> yeah, that's the failure. I'll just go ahead and say this. Marble Slab, Cold Stone, they don't even, they're not even making ice cream. It's if like other, children playing with Tinker If they did anything other than do this while singing songs... Well, they're never going to be our sponsor. <laughs> yeah, never going to happen. I'm okay with that. Uh, but, yeah, so the way it works is you have an uh, almost like a soft-serve dispenser. Once you've made it, it come, but it comes out the front. There's a gate, and it's coming out the front you have whatever it is so if it's the graham cracker we usually would keep it in like a big uh, pitcher that mm-hmm. was a measuring cup and you measure it out and you as it's coming out you pour it onto the ice cream as it comes out and with your other hand you're throwing in whatever the bits are okay huh. and so that because at brewsters the whole key is that every bite should every bite you have should be full of whatever the toppings are. That you should not just Ooh. have ice cream. Well, and I think that's true, Bruce. That's I that's usually the idea. Every bite should Brewster's be thoroughly. Brewster's. You shouldn't yeah. get what most of us get in blizzards. You know, I love blizzards. I'm not trash. I but also everyone has the experience a, with a, a blizzard. bucket of blizzards would be a good thing. Yeah, uh, they give me a bucket <laughs> of blizzard. That'd be good. But normally, like with a blizzard, if someone didn't make it right, you don't always have, you know, the candy all the way, all the way to the bottom. And that's what you should have when you're eating your ice cream. So all right, there you go, Brewsters. 
Give us a call. That's right. Bring us some buckets of ice cream. We have room on our sponsor roster. (laughs) Boy, do we. We, Brewster's Peachtree City. I'm working on Powerade, apparently. Fresca and Mellow Yellow Zero. Actually, we're just cleaning out the cup machine. We are now being paid by the church in soft drinks. Yeah, that's that's what's going on. But we'll we'll take in paid ice cream if y'all got ice cream. That's right. All right. Well, that's all we got. And I'm sure if we've got two listeners left, they enjoyed all that. (laughs) I hope so. so. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We enjoyed it. Hope you did, too. We will see you next week. Tune next in week. Sunday. Don't, oh, don't I have miss. a new thing. Don't forget, new thing. Oh, next, that's right. New, new thing next week. week. Yeah. So, all right. It's going to be exciting. See you mm. Sunday, and then we'll see you right here next week. We love you guys. We love, love you. you. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys.